Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Wednesday, May 18th. One day later than we usually do it. My fault because I was stuck working here yesterday. Yeah, well, I mean, technically I could have come after work, but then it's like, I don't know. First of all, I don't get home till 6 plus. I don't know. It's like the intensity. Like if I come like lunchtime, I've still got the wired from lunch. (laughs) Okay, I haven't eaten lunch, but in theory wired from lunch. But if it's after work, it's like, where am I? What's happening now? What's a movie? And so last week, it was our infamous Friday the 13th weekend. Oh, yeah. We screened part four at midnight on Friday. And then I was thankful that there was an encore on Monday at nine o'clock. Oh, yeah. You got to enjoy the dancing and the hacking and all that. It's such a weird movie. Having read some behind the scenes stuff for it, we'll move on to talking about movies that we are Still screening momentarily. Oh, no, we won't. But I know how it was this weird thing of the powers that be were embarrassed by the franchise, but they were making money. So they said, okay, we'll let you guys do one more, and then that's it. Yeah, because the third was supposed to be the last one. It was supposed to be a trilogy. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, well, it was supposed to be one, and then it was supposed to be two. (laughs) But the third literally was supposed to be the last one. And then they made this movie that quite clearly didn't have a lot of effort put into it. (laughs) Apart from the special effects, I guess. Yeah, it had Tom Savini killing people at his best. Right. I hadn't seen the movie in a long time. And it was just like a Friday the 13th movie. It was people in the woods, kids in a cottage, Jason killing them because he doesn't like teenagers, gratuitous nudity. And it had a little bit of trying to do something new where they were like, hey, there's a guy here who's hunting Jason. Yeah, and it's like, oh, he has a connection to someone from one of the other movies. So like, that's something, I guess. And they didn't follow through with that at all. Like, (laughs) they kind of forgot about it. And then I always like those movies. The first five minutes, just to pad out the 90-minute runtime, yeah. is just last week on Friday the 13th. Oh, my God. And they're all, the first chunk are all like, well, I guess just the first, not the first one, clearly, but, the, you know, two, three, four. And, like, I did watch, well, I watched the fourth one on Friday at home so I could pretend that I was here even though I wasn't. Right. But actually, like, we ended up watching, I had a couple friends came over and were like, are you watching Friday the 13th movies? And, and I hadn't actually planned to, but that was basically them inviting themselves over to do that. So I was like, hey, why not? And so I didn't really care what we watched, but they picked the second one, which I've never been huge on. But I was like, okay, sure. And I really liked it. I came around on it. I was like, the second one is actually as scary as Jason gets in a way. He's still kind of freaky and creepy but. You know, and so like after that, I watched the fourth one and it's just I've never loved the fourth one. Like it feels kind of long, which is not a good thing for these kind of movies. There's great parts, but you're just like, I don't know. There's just something even this time. I'm just like, I don't know, man. I just it's just there. And then it made a ton of money. And so then Paramount (laughs) threw all of their highbrow laurels under the bus and went, okay, let's make another one. So in the next one. That's when things really start getting fun, right? That's mm-hmm. that's when things start getting bonkers <laughs> with, instead of just a guy killing people, it's a supernatural guy killing people? Well, I mean, that's six, technically, but six. like five... I don't want to spoil the twist of five, but yeah, it's don't like, spoil the twist. you know, but anyways, the point is like some people dislike it, you know, much like Halloween three. I love both of those things, but still, no, I think five is actually pretty underrated. I'm looking forward to that next year, I guess. That's in January. I okay. forget. So that's next year though. Basically the 13th month of this year. Yeah, that is the 13th <laughs> month. But uh, it is funny. I always imagine what it would have been like to be a 16 or 17 year old in the heat of those slasher movies where, mm. It was Freddy and Jason, and it was Halloween, and it was 10 other knockoffs. 
and seemingly every Friday night, you can go to the theater and see a movie that would make Gene Siskel angry. Yeah. And now we still have that, but not in that tidal wave Mm -hmm. that was there in kind of that late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s. Yeah, and it was really like, it was kind of petering off by 84, really, when they put out the fourth one. It was kind of the heyday was like 78 to 82, you know, like 83. Like, depending on who you ask, there's still great ones after that and before that even. But that was kind of like the mad rush. And then it was just sort of petering out a little bit, you know, at least quality-wise. And technically, it's a weird technicality, but isn't Freddy versus Jason the most financially successful of both franchises i guess that wouldn't surprise me especially like factoring overseas and like blu-ray well i don't even yeah i assume blu-ray was around but then but anyways dvd sales you know all that like that was like kind of at its peak but then again i'm like we're also at that point not talking about you know adjusted for inflation type numbers. yeah i think adjusted for inflation numbers on many movies is bonkers oh yeah like (laughs) Like, just like 101 Dalmatians made the equivalent of $4 billion. Like, the money back then, because everybody was going, every night, I fantasize of those days. Like, imagine the Mayfair Theater in, like, say, the 50s was probably packed every night. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily sold out, but packed every night for a 7 o'clock show and a 9 o'clock show. I think about that now to segue into present times. So this is our first April and May open since 2019 because of lockdowns (laughs) yeah and april was our worst month in forever the one that just passed and i'm not guilt tripping anybody that's bad news (laughs) yeah i'm not i'm just saying that as a as an interesting point towards running a business right now. No, it's really interesting when you're not making enough money to survive, isn't it? You jerks. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it's not like on. that. It's not that at all. But we're still here. Yeah. Many businesses are not, very sadly. <laughs> but just having the last two years at this time of year been closed, I wish Lee was here because we were joking about it yesterday, that it was almost more challenging and more rewarding while we were closed just because it was this going through the trenches and applying for grants and publicity and media, doing the marquee and selling plaques. So it wasn't like we were just sitting at home bored. Mm -hmm. But now that we're back and you see this everywhere, you see this at restaurants or bars and stuff like that. Some people are fine to come back and some aren't, but we're tiptoeing back towards those better times. The other asterisk, again, not to guilt trip everybody, is that traditionally this is the worst time of year anyhow. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's nice outside and people are sitting on patios and people are out of town on vacation or all that kind of stuff. So this is not me about to announce something horrible. It's just it's on our minds of like this is the bad time of year. But we are still making plans of cool stuff coming later in the year. So Mm -hmm. it's not like we're looking at the books and being like. Well, let's not make plans yet. No, you I know? mean, Lee's still going to his Star Wars thing, so obviously things aren't terrible, aren't terrible. Aren't that bad, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just funny where when I worked last night, which I don't usually do during the week, but just the staff was busy, and so that's the burden that an owner has is every once in a while goes, oh, okay, fine, I'll come in. Mm-hmm. But you just get this very needy point of view as you're sitting in the box office, and it's the most beautiful sunny day outside. And people are walking by and you're just like, are you coming in? Are you? uh, Oh, no, you're not coming in. That used to be one of my most fun things. Like, it was usually like the nine o'clock show most of the time. But, you know, you're just like walking and you're like, oh, maybe this guy, maybe. No, 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 no. And it's like never a no show, but, you know, sometimes a bit sparse. And then Lee gets mad at his 
cinema groupies because he will have told people like, oh, we're showing this movie at cinema, which kind of ties into this other movie. <laughs> he's not allowed to say that. Thematically, you know, yeah, like it. when he's introducing the film. Oh, okay, not pre. Not I'm pre, like, no, no, no. Of all people to yeah. <laughs> break the rules. But, and he'll be like, oh, we're showing this and we have this filmmaker coming up or this movie coming up and they kind of are similar like that. So mm-hmm. if you're here tonight, come back then. And it never works. No. And you're like, so, well, that's great that you're here and you've bought a membership and hopefully you're buying popcorn at cinema, but come back and see another movie. Yeah. If you like this stupid horror movie, maybe you'll like The Godfather? (laughs) I I don't know. And we're always pivoting. I know people hate that word nowadays. (laughs) I don't hate that word. I kind of, I only started using that word in the last couple of years when that word came to be for some reason, but we're always pivoting where we'll be like, we're showing more old movies this month or we're showing more premieres this month. We've got some brand new films. So we were talking about showing some more classics because for a while that did well. And by classics nowadays, that goes back to the 80s. We're not even talking about the 30s or anything. Yeah. And we've got some cool special events coming up. So... More cinemas, too. More cinemas. When you say more classics, to me, that means more cinemas, which we'll also be doing. So that's great. Whether you like classics or classics. (laughs) And Lee, I believe, suckered you into hosting a night. Yeah, yeah. Next weekend. The 28th of May? Yeah, and he always does it as if I'm going to say no. It's like, come on. I don't normally have plans anyways. The only thing is then you you have to stay up till, I don't know, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Probably. Well, that's good. You're a good curator for that because you know to be like ooh, a 78 minute movie perfect i already and the thing is like i've had a few in my head picked out you know waiting for him to ask but like it's been a while since he asked because i think he got the gusto back when we started doing cinemas again i think he's like i mean he obviously loves doing it but it's just sometimes you know he's he's got life and whatnot so i was kind of just getting all hyped but then it's also like for me it's like what do you pick you know like if what if it's the last one you ever get to pick and you only get this one thing you know so you don't want to overthink it but i already know and he approves of the choice you know so that's always good well you might have more opportunity soon because one of the things we were talking about to bring in an extra couple bucks is we said hey maybe we could just double down on cinema so I don't have the dates in front of me, but we were thinking about... Oh, he even told me. Like a summer summer cinema extravaganza. It was like, it's basically like the second and fourth Saturdays. Yeah, because it's like always the last Saturday. July gets mixed up because there's too many Saturdays. Yeah. So there's going to be three weeks between the end of June and mid-July, but it'll mean second week and fourth week will be cinema, cinema, cinema. So we'll have six over the summer instead of three yeah so yeah so if you like cinema more excuse to come back make sure to buy a popcorn and a drink when you come and we'll have lots of crazy free midnight movies for you yeah i even he was like ah promote this and i was like oh you know i will and then my phone just basically died and i I even said i was like we'll talk about it on the podcast and i'm like i don't know but it's also like that's like uh that's a while away you know yeah and it'll be online momentarily i'll stick it on actually i will stick those dates on the calendar listing for this month's cinema so if you go look at that Mm. at the bottom of that it'll say coming later this month and i'm gonna make up a little poster with all the dates on it and everything so i want to say like june 11th that's in my head but maybe it's july 11th i don't know something 11 there'll be plenty there'll be there'll be six of them yeah that's gonna be awesome and i mean it's it's fun because we almost did that we were planning to do that two three years ago or whatever it was yeah i think it was in 2020 or something and that i was so excited like that was about to happen and i don't have we ever done that before like double cinemas the only one was when we had the 3d 
Oh, yes. Film Fest. Yeah. So we had a midnight 3D film and then a regular one that month. Good. And then we broke the... Well, we didn't break it, but the film broke. The poor film. Well, the guy was there and we're just yeah. like... Ooh. That's a good example of it's great show and film, but we're constantly marching away from these <laughs> films being watchable just because they are physical media. Yeah. And they're dying. Took it pretty well, considering I think he was kind of waiting for it to happen eventually, so... Yeah, I remember our projectionist at the time, Matthew, the poor guy, was just in denial, and Matthew was, I can try again, but it's going to eat it again. It's Uh, just too... It's too brittle. That's the thing, And, and so when you come here and you see a beautiful digital presentation of something like Batman 66... Part of you is like, oh, it'd be great to see it on film. But then you remember the last time we screened it on film. Yeah, it's really cool to think that is the same film that screened back in the day. Mm -hmm. But it was barely hanging on there. There was chunks cut out. The colors were really muted. The sound had scratches on it. And so then it was like, we screened that. And then two years later, screened the digital version. And it was just like, yeah, that looks a lot better. Yeah, that's my secret shame for years and years is going to like Texas Chainsaw or whatever, some of the old stuff on film. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of prefer the uh, Blu-ray rip here, I think. But yeah, anyways, but you know, but hey, we don't really have the choice as much anymore. So we're (laughs) pretty much what we got to do. And speaking of midnight movies, people have been asking about The Room. We're still on the cusp of kind of like what the rules are for public gatherings in a small venue that involves screaming. Yeah. But I will tell you what I know, and we genuinely, unfortunately, don't have a date yet, but Greg, Greg Sestero, has a couple of Canadian dates with his new film. Mm. The catch is, and this isn't a backhanded compliment, I think, I think this is a nice thing, is Greg often likes to schedule coming to the Mayfair either last to kind of cap things off, or when he can spend extra time in Ottawa, because he likes it here. So... Greg's coming with his new movie. We don't know when. Okay. but So it's going to happen. Like he, Before he, the winter, Lee probably. says <laughs> he chats with Greg multiple times a week, just texting the way friends do. <laughs> and he's always like, so are you going to come here? Because I think he's got dates in Montreal. and Oh, man. That's like right there. And somewhere weird like Kingston or yeah, Waterloo or Kingston. something. And it's like, you could come here too. But then it could be he has time to hit one and then has to jet back to somewhere yeah. to act in something you know man Ringo Starr is playing Kingston but not Ottawa that drives me insane I'm like and not I don't think he's playing Toronto but he's playing Kingston Ringo Starr is on my list of people I've never seen and I've worked a dozen years at Blues Fest and you would think that would be the perfect venue for Ringo because yeah. it's it's all kinds of different music it's all kinds of different ages and he really appeals to multiple generations. There's kids who love the Beatles who would go see him, and there's seniors. Mm-hmm. And that he's doing that he's coming everywhere but Ottawa. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it just I don't know. I, I mean, great for Kingston, very cool, but it just feels odd. And I mean, and Greg Sestero is the Beatles of the Room, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the Ringo. No, he's not the Ringo star of the Room. Is that mean? I don't even know. He's the John Lennon of the room. I don't know. The point is, we want to see his horror movie. <laughs> yes. I've been excited for this for like years because he talked to us about it last time he was here. Like about, yeah. and he hadn't shot it yet. I think he was writing it at the time. Yeah, I was really. We had a good talk about it. And I was like, man, I want to see that movie. And so it's like, like I guess I'll go to Kingston if I have to. But come on, just, uh, he'll come here. He'll yeah, come here. we need this. So Greg will be here sooner or later. We have some plans for 
silent film mm. live orchestra coming back awesome awesome and yeah so oh and i haven't even done anything so this is somewhat unofficial news but i'll say it here to see if people are paying attention i think we've booked the week of friday june 3rd for nick cage and massive talent nobody thought you were gonna say that i don't know what i thought it looked like you had like a ticker tape thing over there like you're you're, like the old-timey stock quotes (laughs) yeah like right out of the press so that's one that i hope i'm not getting my hopes up but i'm hoping that's our new parasite yeah that we have that for a few weeks and people come out to that that'd be great i mean i've been i didn't deliberately wait till it came here it was kind of half joking but now at this point yes that's that's what like i have a cineplex gift card i keep <laughs> meaning to go and it just the timing hasn't worked out and now i'm like well i might as well just wait a little longer at this point and now i'm like what do i, I go see dr strange i don't know like jurassic park that's coming oh that's true i guess i could go do that okay so let us mention the movie's screening here at the Mayfair, the week of Friday, May 20th, we have a very international group of films, not a single unsubtitled film in the bunch. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. That's That seems rare. So we have, first up, a movie called The Rosemaker, which is a nice dramatic comedy about a lady running a... What do you call it? A rose business? Running a rose garden? A rose making business? Rose making business? <laughs> and big evil rose incorporators oh, no. want to steal it away from her. Big rose got to her. Big rose. <laughs> and I think it's one of those movies that is kind of a whole genre in itself of that kind of a small little town goes against the big evil corporation to save their fill in the blank. Rose garden. Rose garden in this case, <laughs> yes. The next one we have, I'm excited to see, and I'm purposefully not learning too much because i've glanced over a few reviews where they get to that point where they say and now we're going to spoil everything oh, and no. i'm like no no but it's called petite mama and it is g-rated and it's some mm. kind of two little kids having an adventure movie but it's directed by the filmmaker who did portrait of a lady on fire oh you love that i love that movie i don't know what it says about me <laughs> i like a good depressing movie sometimes yeah. you know and so portrait of a lady on fire is a very different movie than this, but this movie is getting all the awards, 97 on Rotten Tomatoes, and it is 73 minutes. Oh, wow. Jeez. That's my favorite. That is a that is a short one, man. And that's the other interesting thing this week. Everything is kind of short. So, complete other end of the spectrum. Uh-oh. We have, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Lux Aterna. Yeah, that seems, I think that's right, yeah. Which is spelled weird with a V instead of a U, and then the A and the E do one of those connecty things. He doesn't know what he's talking about anymore. <laughs> Words are hard now. So this is another film from Gaspar No. Okay, that's what I was nervous about. <laughs> and we, as we speak, we have Vortex on screen. Which stars Dario Argento, which we, yeah. I, I, I didn't even, I should have looked ahead of time. After the podcast, I checked and I was like. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, because it said Dario Argento, but I was like, I know he didn't direct it, so what is even going on here? I didn't, I don't, no one thinks of him as an actor, I don't quite think frankly. he's acted a lot. Yeah, but he's supposed to be incredible in this movie. And like, I mean, we're not going to be able to see it by the time you hear this. But the point is, like, <laughs> yeah. I found that very funny on the Friday 13 podcast that we were talking about all this stuff. And then we had a movie starring one of the greatest horror directors of all time. And neither of us really thought we about skipped it. over it. Because it's not really the point of it. It's not about who he is kind of thing. But that's still such a cool little Easter egg. And he's definitely a cult filmmaker. Yeah. Most even movie fans might not know who he is. But it's very interesting for him to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And to compare it to Lex Eterna, Lex Eterna is a good old-fashioned Gaspar Noe movie that <laughs> not only the movie, the trailer has a warning on it oh, saying, be careful, this trailer might give you a seizure. I think the last one did too. Yeah. Or and maybe the they tra- all do. I don't the know. trailer proceeds to genuinely have like bright flashing lights and crazy imagery. <laughs> so whereas Vortex was a step away and him doing a somber, quiet story about an old couple in their last days lux eterna is back to sex drugs rock and roll man and also dario gento has a new movie out dark glasses starring his daughter as a lot of them do lately which we're not playing but i'm just you know and i'm not he hasn't been i don't don't, not to be a jerk but it's been a little while since he's put out a really great movie yeah but at least he's in a really great movie right now well and he's 90 isn't he <laughs> yeah like, yeah i'm not like I, by no means, i'm not gonna be like ripping on one of the genre greats you know i just i thought that was kind of cool that he's at least still putting out stuff and acting and stuff like damn and then our fourth foreign film this week is called the innocence and it is a creepy kid horror movie oh yeah oh that's right that's why well, i knew when i saw the poster i was like why do i know this and i was like oh yeah this is the summer of creepy kids yeah it looks it's from norway and it is my nerd brain is it's a bunch of creepy Jean Grey kids. It's a mm. bunch of kids with psychic powers. Like Village of the Damned type thing. Yeah, very much. Kind of Twilight Zoney, Village of the Damned. Mm. It won Best Director at Fantastic Fest. And yeah, it just looks like... It's funny, like any other genre, horror isn't just one thing. So I don't think this is a blood and guts horror movie. Yeah. It's a creepy kid horror movie where I don't know if it's even like jump scares or whatever. So to plug my own work, Recently had a comic book out called Damn Cursed Children that I co-wrote, available now in trade paperback form. This is good. Not to plug my own thing, Not to plug but my own this thing. is what it would sound like if I was. But we're putting together a little pitch package on, on the one in a billion chance of getting it into someone's hands for film, television, whatever. I like that. So one of the things you do is you do the Hollywood thing of saying, like, it's this meets that, or it's nice. just like that movie. So other either successful or noted creepy kid movies. So you think of Village of the Damned, you think of Children of the Corn, and then this one came up, and my co-writer, I sent him the thing, and I was like, I think this one qualifies. Look, it's like won awards, and it's got creepy kids. So it's funny, that genre goes way back, like black and white films. Oh, yeah. And I have friends with kids, and they will ingest, say like, yeah, kids are creepy enough just normally. Yeah, no, it's true. So when you put them into a horror movie, because kids at any given time, I have one of my little fake nieces who was hilarious when she was a kid. Now, she's still a kid, but when she was a a kid kid. Yeah. Had imaginary friends and talked to herself a lot. And she'd be on the little video monitor. And I was babysitting once. And she's on the video monitor. And her dad came home. And he said, like, oh, yeah, sometimes she talked to herself. And she's sitting there. And it's kind of the paranormal activity. that's what I was picturing. Like, surveillance footage kind of thing. (laughs) And she's just in bed going, like, I am saying creepy things and I'm a kid, you know. And you're like... Yeah, like, I don't even think she's possessed right now, and she's creepy. Yeah, that's that's a lot. One that I always think of is 1976's Who Can Kill a Child, like oh, a yeah. Spanish flick. And I'm just like, well, deep down, if I was in a position where a ton of kids were trying to kill me, I suppose I probably could kill a child. But, you know, that's an interesting thing, especially for 76, because that's still a taboo thing. You don't kill kids on film or whatever. And yeah. obviously, they're not just, like, normal kids not trying to kill you. can't remember what it is, but they kill all the parents on the island, and then some people visit the island, they're like, oh, what's going on what's with all these kids you know and that's the uphill battle of anyone ever adapting our insane comic book (laughs) is that it's about 
one day, inexplicably, one morning, every single child on Earth turns into a rampaging gremlin monster. Hmm. And so there's a difference between reading or seeing a comic book or something and then seeing it at 24 frames a second. Yeah. So when it's a daycare teacher being attacked by a bunch of kids and she's running from them and smashes one with a mug and <laughs> and they're crawling over each other, running down the hallway. What's great about comic books is you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Doing that for real might be a little more difficult. We'll that, see. That's why that animation might work for us more as a pitch. But you're like, really, we'll take anything. I mean, oh, we'll yeah. just <laughs> stop I, motion, whatever. A while back, Max Brooks was here doing this really cool thing that Carleton University instigated where they had a, I don't know what class this was for, but they had a genuine mathematician guy talk about the descent of civilization if zombies happened hmm. it's not good yeah, like I like imagine. he's like this would happen on monday and on wednesday this would happen and on friday this would happen like it's bad yeah and then max brooks was the guest talking about zombies and he just basically did like a powerpoint presentation on zombies and if folks don't know max brooks he did world war Z. Mm-hmm and Zombie Hunter Survival Guide, and they're not comedic, and he is Mel Brooks's son, so people assumed it was funny, but it's not funny. No. I recommend the World War Z audiobook. It's filled with all kinds of cool, neat character actors like Alan Alda and Mark mm. Hamill. Oh, nice. Super fun. But anyhow, he talked about zombies and stuff, and I got to chat with him about the adaptation of his book into the Brad Pitt movie. And he said this on numerous interviews where he was like, the only thing that that movie has to do with my book is the title. Yeah. And it's on planet Earth. That's it. Yeah, because it's not like, it's really more of a like journal entries and stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. That's why it works so well as an audiobook. But also, he was not bitter about it because he was like, <laughs> I got a very nice paycheck. I'll bet. It looks good on my resume. It helped open doors to get other projects done. Yeah. And if the sequel happens, I'll get another paycheck. There's this thing of people always go, oh, I hated... Pet Cemetery, which is a bad example. People like Pet Cemetery. <laughs> I hated the Shining TV miniseries. They ruined the book. And just that sentence ruined the book. No, you can just not watch the movie ever again, and the book's still there. <laughs> which is funny because King said he preferred the miniseries, and yes. like yeah. basically no one agrees with him. Yeah. But yeah, that's all good. But yeah, it's always funny like that with adaptations when people say ruined my childhood or ruined the book. And I'm like, no, it's a thing. You don't no. got to watch it again. Blues Brothers 2000 oh, did not ruin Blues Brothers because I'll just never watch Blues Brothers 2000 again. Nobody you know? remembers that. I remember the trailer very specifically because I was not going to watch the movie. The movie's so weird. <laughs> that movie's so weird. The funny thing is, and I remember this review and it was very true. The critic said, soundtrack, five stars. All right. Movie, one star. Oh, and that feels generous, probably. So if you listen to the soundtrack, much like the original, it's just filled with veteran musicians and an all-star band. So the music is fine. Yeah. When you cobble it together into a movie, then you're like, oh, that uh, didn't work. Yeah, when John Goodman can't save you, you know you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And when they don't even get the living Belushi to show up. That's weird. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm sure there is. I bet there's a great making of behind the scenes for that movie. Yeah, yeah. And then there's... I always think about how it's interesting. I would ask this question to Spielberg. So he was involved in all the Jurassic Park sequels. Mm-hmm. Directing one, producing all the other ones. What made him do that versus Jaws where he super distanced himself from it? 
was that just because he was younger and was like, no, I want to do only original stuff. I could see that. In his older days, he was like, dinosaurs are cool. Yeah, I kind of figured it was he didn't want to get typecast with especially with sequels because he was like in his early 20s at that point, you know. And you can see like no sequel to Close Encounters, no sequel to E.T. Indiana Jones had them, but that was a little different Mm because they're kind of standalone. And it's kind of a collaboration with George Lucas as well. So, you know, I could see it being a different thing. Okay, and I will just quickly mention we have a rental of a popular documentary that we screened before called Free Trip to Egypt. And that's just one screening on Saturday afternoon. It's a rental, so it's different prices and different advanced tickets than us. But if you click on our website, you can get shot over to the right place to get your tickets to that as well. Fun. So, yeah, so we'll wrap things up for this week. Once again, Eric is rushing back to work. Yeah, to not eat lunch and no just lunch get back for to work. You. I don't even know how I'm going to figure it out. Emily didn't have lunch either. And she's like, oh, we can meet for lunch. And I was like, here's the thing. <laughs> and yesterday she'd been like, can you go to Farm Boy at lunch? And I was like, for sure. And then I was like, okay, number one, I'm not going to Farm Boy. Number two, I'm not eating lunch. And number three, we're not having lunch together. Surprise. Yeah, so all of this has gone well. But at least here's this podcast. <laughs> but did you break it to her that we booked Massive Talent for your guys' anniversary? She doesn't know yet. Oh, uh, that's happy anniversary. Very exciting news, I think. <laughs> we're going to massive talent seven days in a row (laughs) again and again (laughs) okay thanks for listening everybody you can find all the information on these and upcoming movies at the aforementioned mayfairtheater.ca we are on all of the social medias and we will see you in the cinema soon for some awesome movies on the big screen thanks everybody bye Bye. oh lee's gonna be furious when instead of the cinema i told him i'm doing i just sneak on random cage movie or just raptors highlights oh man can i do that Every child is afraid of the dark, the unknown, the nightmare. In Gatlin, Nebraska, that nightmare is in the corn. Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Stephen King, the author of Carrie, The Shining, The Dead Zone, and Christine, an adult nightmare. Children of the Corn. I'm here, Lord! I'm Stephen King's Children of the Corn, an adult nightmare. Coming soon from New World Pictures.